This is the Rhyme and Reason Podcast, Episode 91. Spooky, Weeping, Hungry, Poverty, Poetry and Science, What? Hey there, Tony here. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhyme and Reason podcast, where my goal is to encourage you with Christian faith, hope, and love, to show you there really is a rhyme and reason to life, and it's found right there in black and white and red in God's Word. In today's Reason segment, I'm going to talk about poverty that leads to riches, kiss marketing for Christians, hunger that leads to being full, weeping that leads to laughing, and reviling people and even something spooky sounding but nice and top it off with poetry and science two of my favorite things but you know the show is called rhyme and reason podcast so first i'd like to add in a little rhyme time when you visit my website tonyfunderberg.com you're going to find a lot of words and music there I've shared tons and tons of stuff that you can listen to for free anytime you want. Uh, you can even embed my music player on your website if you like. There's a, there are cool ways to do that. But now here's just a little uh, rhyme time for you. There's never not a time when I am with you. There's never any day when you're alone. There's never not a time when I will help you. Fear not, you're in my heart and you're my own. Now... I wrote that, but I'm going to attribute the sentiment of it to God. I mean, after all, uh, I used double negatives there to prove, uh, not to prove, but to make a point that he says there's never not a time he's with you. There's never any day when you're alone, when you're a believer. And there's never not a time when he will help you. He'll always be willing to help you. Uh, You don't always get the answer you want, but... He's always going to help you. Uh, I'm also in a new studio, and I just want to let you know that because you may hear some ambient noises. Um, I don't have everything set up for soundproofing. You may hear some ambient noises right now, as a matter of fact, as I bump things around. But, uh, oh, yeah, did it just again. Um, but I'll be doing the best I can to make this as uh, quality as I can till I get the uh, soundproofing going. So I hope you stick with me. Now, uh, the first part that I mentioned was uh, uh, being blessed when you're poor. Now, most people don't think of that as a blessing. But, you know, there's a very poetic set of blessings that Jesus delivered that many Christians know as the Beatitudes. And uh, when you're reading them in the book of Luke, the first four are, I guess, you're more on the positive side of the equation, and the second four kind of are more on the negative effects. But... Uh, just focusing on the first one, it says, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, that's what I call going from one extreme to the other. I mean, don't you? Uh, Imagine living your life here on earth, struggling just to get enough food in the house, barely meeting the most basic of needs, never seeing the inside of anything larger than a boarding house. And then imagine yourself wearing the same clothes day after day and even have to wash those clout, uh, even have to wash those clothes in the shower as you bathe, because you don't really have a washer. You don't have any other way to do it. And uh, every day presents itself as a challenge, but you never let your faith in Jesus falter. 
Okay, now imagine finishing out your life, taking your last breath alone in your tiny room. Maybe you're all by yourself. And your eyes close and your body expires. But at that very moment, your eyes also open and you find yourself in the presence of the creator of all heaven and earth. And you look into the face of the Lord you trusted, and He smiles and welcomes you into His new glorious home. You're in His kingdom. Now, wouldn't that be powerful joy? I mean, think about what you went from, the lowest of the low, poorest of the poor, to being in the presence of God. And you know you're going to live forever, and you're never going to have to go through that again. How amazing would that be? Well, I'd like you to understand something, you know. You know, Jesus doesn't make anyone poor. He doesn't create poor people or rich people. He loves both. So when he said, blessed are you poor, he wasn't saying poverty is a blessed condition. He was giving hope. And this beatitude, in many other places, he illustrates how a person's broken spirit often leads to humility. And that's a position where he can uh, do more with you. It's more where you're more likely to lean on him and trust him. And that's when he can lift you up to the newness of eternal life. Now, if you're rich in worldly finances, it's your human flesh nature to at least begin to believe more in yourself than an unseen Lord. And Jesus knows that. And it's why he said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, that sounds harsh on the surface, and you know what the truth often does. But the truth of God's word always leads to something better something glorious, something eternal. It leads to life. And the lies of this world, they don't. Well, moving on, have you ever heard the acronym KISS Marketing? Or have you heard that term, KISS Marketing? KISS being an acronym. Internet marketers use that to remind themselves and their audience to keep it super simple or keep it simple, silly. And... Um, I'd like to apply that approach to why you should believe and trust in Jesus. Just keep it simple. One of the most famous verses in the Bible covers it. If you've only seen it uh, on a sign at a football game or basketball game or something, you've probably heard of John 3.16. In case you haven't actually read it or heard it or even seen it somewhere, it goes like this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son... That whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's simple. That's easy. Just do one thing. It covers three points here. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Point two, whoever believes in him should not perish. And point three, you have everlasting life. That's it. That's the ultimate KISS marketing for believing in and trusting in Christian faith. It's all summed up in God's love for you. He loves you so much that He made a super simple way for you to have eternal life. What do you have to do? This is real hard, and I hope you'll uh, write this down if you have to. Take notes. Here's what you have to do. Ready? Believe. That's it. Now, what is it that He wants you to believe? That His Son, Jesus, paid for every wrong thing you've done, are doing now, or ever will do. And He offers you His life, His eternal life, as a free gift, if you'll simply believe it's true. 
I'd like to make a suggestion. Take some time to look into the evidence of this claim. Don't just take my word for it. I'll tell you there's a mountain of evidence. But don't take my word for it. Look into it for yourself. But I'm convinced you'll find a love so strong, so deep, and so eternal, you won't be able to resist its life-giving powers. And if you need any help with that information, or, you know, you just want to talk about it, I'm here. Contact me on TonyFunderburg.com, or you'll see there there's places where you can even call and email me. It's easy. I'm here. Remember, Jesus saves. Moving right along, there's another beatitude, and uh, it says, Blessed, or as the English translation, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Okay, I want you to imagine how good that must sound to someone who truly knows the gut-wrenching pains of hunger. Have you ever known hunger, the, the kind of hunger that comes from days without food? I'm not talking hours. If you've spent more than a couple of days without food, you can probably see much more clearly the fullness of a blessing of being filled and not being hungry. Well, I can't say I've ever been that hungry, but I have gone all day. I've gone all day without food. I know how challenging that can be. I remember how wonderful a full home-cooked meal tasted after that. Well, when Jesus said, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled, I think he implied a bit of a double meaning, too, especially when you consider how he talked to the woman at the well. It's another story, but uh, he talked to a woman about living water and who he was and the kinds of things that he said to his own disciples. It isn't a stretch to imagine he could have referred to hunger and to being filled from a spiritual perspective, too. I mean, your soul spirit hungers for life, and when you ask Jesus into your heart, that's when you'll be filled with his eternal life through his Holy Spirit. If you haven't already done this, can I ask you a couple of questions? Why don't you want it? I mean, what is it about eternal life in heaven with your Creator that repels you? I mean it. I truly don't understand anyone actively rejecting the love of God. But if that is you, I hope you'll fill me in, okay? Let me know. I, I, I just don't get that. You know, following that up, there's a, another beatitude that says, Blessed are you who weep now. Remember in the uh, first part of the show, uh, uh, my announcer said, What? You know, all this weeping and crying and hunger? I mean, it's not a very positive-sounding uh, intro to a, a podcast or any other thing, but uh, it really is positive when you get into the meat of it. Uh, there have been quite a few times when I've heard someone say, I had a good cry and I, I feel better now. Have you ever felt that way? Well, I admit that uh, I'm not really the crying kind of sensitive 90s guy. Uh, you remember that expression? I guess it stems from my upbringing of, you know, the old adage, big boys don't cry. But it doesn't mean I'm immune to the troubles of this world. I, I don't stick my head in the sand and um, I have nothing against crying. In fact, it brings to mind where Jesus, in these Beatitudes, he said, Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing when you think about it. You got things to cry about now? Well, this one illustrates a, a really hopeful contrast. 
um, not only will your weeping end, but you'll actually laugh. You know, imagine living a life full of trials and tribulations, so full of pain, it causes you to weep on a regular basis. And I like that word weep instead of cry, because weep sounds even sadder. I don't know why, but it just does. Um, But say you're in that boat and you just can't see an end to it. Each day is so utterly full of challenges, you're just not sure you can rise up to meet them. So you weep. Well, now imagine standing in the presence of your living, loving Creator with the full knowledge you'll never experience those challenges and aches and pains again. He greets you with a smile and He he fills you with His eternal life and love. And as the weeping of this world leaves you, laughter spills over your heart like a roaring creek down um, during the spring snowmelt. You know, then laughter becomes your constant companion because the joy you once only knew in part, you now know in its embracing fullness. I wonder why he would mention weeping. And why would he say, blessed are you who weep now? I mean, could it be he's recognizing those who are troubled and those who care about the heart and soul condition of their fellow man? Hmm. I'm just, you know... I'm just pausing a question there. I mean, we're Christians, uh, we're, we're called to love your neighbor as yourself. And oftentimes we see our neighbor's fate more clearly than they do. And when you see someone headed to eternal torment, it's a natural reaction to maybe even weep for them. If it describes you, your laughter that's to come will be such a magnificent gift. I mean, I can hardly wait to see the look on your face. So if you're weeping today, it's... Really, yet another reason to count your blessings. Hard as that may sound, it's leading to something better. And I've had a year where, well, let's say 2014. This year hasn't been that way. It's a very young year. But 2014, definitely I saw my share of uh, people coming against me. And, um, you know, the Bible talks about when they revile you. Revile, that's a vile sounding word isn't it because it is when they revile you it's a hating and they talk you know they talk against you well how can that be a blessing you know seems counterintuitive but it's a truth that comes directly from the mouth of jesus in luke 6:22, you can look that up he said blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake, for His sake. Wow. Uh, You're blessed when all that happens? Well, simply put, if it seems like people hate you just because you're a Christian, well, you might be doing something right. Uh, After all, Jesus said, they hated me, they'll hate you. He also said, they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. That could happen, and it is happening to Christians in other parts of the world right now. So, declaring your faith in Him boils up hatred. Isn't that weird? I mean, he's, he, he made everybody. He loves us. But when you, when you say things about Him, when you talk about Him, it's, it's amazing how it boils up hatred in other people. They despise you for it, but it's just basically a job hazard. It just goes with the territory. It's not fun. It's not right. But it is a truth that's happening since the first century. I mean, that's been happening 
since Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Peter, and Paul, and all of them talked about it. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to that. But I'd like to encourage you to make trust a consistent buzzword in your brain. When you find yourself being reviled because you spoke up for Jesus, remember, trust him. Sing a song. Yes, sing a song. Read writings of Paul. You'll see. He was thrown in jail, and he started singing a song, and hey, lo and behold, the uh, the cells uh, were rocked. The whole place was rumbling and rocking around. The doors opened, and he got him and everybody else out. I mean, that's pretty cool. You could tell a funny story, laugh, say a prayer of thanksgiving right away when things are bad. Yep, thanksgiving. Trusting in the Lord means you believe He'll never leave you nor forsake you. It doesn't mean your problems will magically disappear, but it does mean you'll have the strength and wisdom to see them through. The world is full, overflowing in fact, with people who hate even the name of Jesus. And they'll certainly hate anyone who dares bring His name up in public. But remember, when they revile you and make fun and do their best to silence you, that's the time to raise up your voice and sing a new song. Smile in the face of adversity and count it all joy when they persecute you for your faith. You know what? Here's the thing you can take home and take to the bank and whatever else. Your Creator's love is greater than all the hatred in the world. Now here's something that sounds spooky, but nice. You know what? Read this quote. Uh... You know what? I'll read this quote and see if it sounds like one of those apocalyptic movies. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear. And the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine James Earl Jones' voice? Reading that while the camera zooms in on giant, massive ocean waves. And just as one of the waves is about to engulf the whole scene, the sky goes totally dark. No sun, moon, no stars. Yikes. Ah, if you've ever been to a place where city lights don't obscure... Um, if you've ever been to a place where city lights don't obscure the view of the night sky, you know how beautifully dark the night sky can seem. And just think, that's with the stars still shining. But imagine if you couldn't see a single star or the moon. Imagine how dark it'd be then. That'd probably be more like going down in a deep, dark cave where you can't even see your hand in front of your face. Well, when the time comes, and yes, I said when, not if, that the powers of heavens will be shaken like that, people are going to look up and they're going to see some really odd things happening in the sky. Basically, no one is going to know what it means. And if you think there's some sort of climate change going on now, you ain't seen nothing yet. At that time, the oceans will be doing some crazy things and no place will be safe. To say the least, it'll be very spooky. But nice if you happen to be a Christian. Why? Well, the Bible says you can, at that time, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Redemption? From what? Well, the troubles and hysteria of this world. 
If you don't know why looking up and lifting up your head will be a good idea, get in touch with me. I'll be glad to tell you. It's a great story. Now, at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned uh, poetry and science as one of the topics. And I mentioned that um, I love poetry and science. And I think they go together really pretty well. You know what else? I also believe they both show the awesome love of God toward us. Now, you may have heard me talk about or you read where I wrote about how poetic the Bible is. And if you don't believe me, well, don't take my word for it. Take a stroll through the Psalms and Proverbs for starters. Um, Surely you've heard of those two books. The Psalms, well, that's just another name for songs. And they really come along. They come out that way. And the Proverbs are short tidbits of wisdom. You know, they read like insightful prose. Um, it's really cool to read them. Each one is a little nugget that can help you gain wisdom. And you can just see the love of God pouring out of these books and, and the rest of the Bible, like I always say. Um, you know, the story of the whole Bible is about God's love. His love was and is so great that He created each of us with our own will. We can choose to love Him or not. And whether we do or not, we still have a universe that's far more immense than we'd ever need to survive. So, He must have made it that big to give us something magnificent to gaze into and ponder. Countless poems and stories and songs have been written just about the sun, moon, and stars, not to mention the galaxies and supernovas and comets. Well, that leads me to the science part of God's love. Did you know this? Did you know our sun is approximately 400 times farther away from us than the moon? And did you also know that the sun is approximately 400 times larger than the moon? And did you know that's precisely why we can easily see a total eclipse of the sun every once in a while? Why Why does that happen? Does it really serve some metaphysical purpose? Or, you know, could it be that it's just, you know, something that helps the earth revolve better? Or the rotation of the sun or the moon? Is it any of those things? Or how about this? Maybe it could be that it just pleased God to share this brilliant spectacle with us. You just got a kick out of it. Have you ever considered how dead our planet would be if the moon was just a little farther away? Or how tumultuous our oceans would be if it was closer? That's not a happy accident. The distance of the moon from the earth, that didn't just happen. That's by God's design. And he did it so the seas would be filled with life and they'd provide for us abundantly. And keep the uh, oceans churning around just the right way so that life could actually exist and it wouldn't wouldn't stagnate. I could go on and on about the beautiful um, design of life. And I have done that before. I've gone on and on. But I'm getting where I have to get to the end of this show. So uh, actually, I've, I've gone a little over, as a matter of fact. But I hope you'll look into it for yourself. I mean, I'll be glad to talk with you about it. It's one of my favorite subjects. One great resource for the science part I highly recommend is a book called In the Beginning by Dr. Walt Brown. 
And if you go to TonyFunderburk.com forward slash poetry and science, you'll see the link for that where you can actually buy that book. And he doesn't charge an arm and a leg for it. It is such a great resource, though. And then um, you could also try out this poetry uh, inspired by God's Word by G.K. Chesterton. It's a, a really long poem, but it man, is it quite a read. It's called The Ballad of the White Horse. And uh, the link to that, if you just want to read it uh, without going anywhere and buying anything, you can read that. Uh, the link to it is also uh, at TonyFunderburk.com forward slash poetry and science. Okay, well, that's it for this week. Um, again, this is Tony Funderburg from TonyFunderburg.com, ironically. And uh, until next time, I pray you find the rhyme and reason to your life in God's Word, right there in black and white and red. <laughs>